Do it, Rockapella. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, carry on. And the home of the Welcome to episode 21 of the Hit the Deck podcast, where we talk deck hockey, street hockey, ball hockey, it's hockey in sneakers. We have made it to 21 episodes. James, our podcast can drink. Awesome. Just in time for 4th of July, too. So well done. Yes. Hopefully our listeners uh, don't feel the need to do so. (laughs) Yeah. I hope we don't drive them to drink anyway. Yeah. Well, how are you, James? I'm doing all right. How about yourself, sir? I am doing pretty well. I'm actually pretty excited because for this podcast, we have a very special guest. Indeed, we do. For this podcast, well, you know what? Why don't we just jump into the starting lineup so everybody knows who we have. And for tonight's starting lineup, in goal, I am number 35, the American Rhino, Gary McComiskey, my illustrious co-host. On defense, number four, James Sajazi, and our special guest tonight. And at forward... Number 44, I'm Brad Vonsky. All right. Welcome to the podcast, Brad. Nice to be here. I've been looking forward to it. And we have been looking forward to having you. You've been uh, a guest that we have scouted from from before we did our first podcast. So I'm glad we could finally bring it together. You know what? Hey, as am I. <laughs> that makes three of us. So uh, welcome aboard, my friend. All right. So we all love each other. That's fantastic. Yep. 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 Um, Brad <laughs> is actually founding member of the LIQ and one of the most if not the most talented offensive players we have. Oh, please, please. So, no, no. Uh, as a goalie, I, I despise facing you. Um, it is, it, it definitely uh, brings an added dimension to the game that, that I don't uh, necessarily appreciate. Uh, yeah, it's a weird feeling, especially being a defenseman. I mean, uh, Brad is so amazing, but he's such a good guy that, you kind of you get angry that he scores, but then you're like, "Oh, it's Brad." Well, what do you expect? So, <laughs> I mean, for me, standing in the crease, you know, when I have a player bearing down on me, just any player bearing down on me, I obviously uh, I'm paying attention to what they're doing. I'm trying to pay attention to who's around me, how the play is unfolding. But it's just like, okay, the puck's coming towards me. I have to be ready. When I look up and see Brad with the puck, uh, literally, I say, "Oh shoot, it's Brad." Uh, it's because <laughs> I know that I have to be extra careful on my toes you know gary i i I think i've heard you say that before when i've picked up the puck so yeah well there you go (laughs) well i i will say that thank you for the accolades but there are a lot of talented guys in the liq so i will just say i am one of them i will not say i am the most so then humble just putting it out there all right well thank you (laughs) well uh okay enough of patting each other on the back James, why don't we get into tonight's on deck, if you don't mind? Would be happy to. So, as you heard before, leading things off, we will go back into the face-off circle. Gary and I welcome LIQ All-Star forward Mr. Brad Vonsky to our Hit the Deck interview series, so he may introduce himself to you. Whiteboard, now that you will all know Brad almost as well as Gary and I do, 
The three of us will debut a new segment of Hit the Decks where we break down specific deck hockey plays from an offensive, defensive, and goaltending point of view. And happy birthday, America! None other than the American Rhino himself will lead a charge to celebrate the USA's 240th birthday as only a true patriotic hockey podcaster can. Well, at least one of many possible ways to celebrate anyway. Gary and I and Brad will talk about great NHLers who were born in the USA. And that's what's on deck. Thank you, James. <laughs> uh, that, that's, Too many uh, fucks to the head. I'm sorry. No, no. That was an unexpected treat. Thank you. Thank you, James. That was that was nice. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Brad, uh, for those of you who don't know, Brad is actually a huge Springsteen fan, so I'm sure he particularly appreciated that. I did. I did. Right. Glad to have an assist. And before <laughs> we go on with the podcast, I forgot to announce the, the very special announcement that we have here on the 21st episode of Hit the Deck, and that is that Hit the Deck, in addition to the normal places that you can find us, iTunes, Stitcher, our website, hitthedeck.com, any number of other podcasting outlets. We are now also available on YouTube. And uh, so you can listen to podcasts on YouTube. All of our previous podcasts and scrimmages are up there. But the reason I'm bringing this up now and not at the end of the show is that for tonight's extra special 21st episode with Brad, James mentioned that we're going to be breaking down some plays you will be able to see the plays that we are breaking down if you watch this on YouTube. So I wanted to give you fair warning up top so you would have time to stop it on your phone or whatever and, and go over and, and to, to check it out on YouTube if you want to. So, um, you know, I'm for the listener. So uh, we are a full-service podcast. We try and, you know, thank you guys because we appreciate you. We appreciate you listening. Thank you. We do it. Yeah. And, and just to add on to that, too, I mean, Gary is a he's a mastermind when it comes to technology and such. And being the consummate pro podcaster that he is, definitely check it out. And it should make the experience a little bit better for you, especially since you could see what we're talking about and hopefully not bore the pants off of you. So definitely check out the YouTube page. And thank you, Gary, for setting all that up for us. Sure. And our channel on YouTube, as you might have guessed, is Hit the Deck. With a K, that's right. No, no CK, so D-E-K. Right. Like, like deck hockey, which is what we talk there, about. That's right. That's right. Okay, so uh, let's jump right into it. Mr. Vonsky, sir. Part of the face-off circle, it's just about four questions, which are the same that we'll ask to any uh, member that decides to come into the circle with us, just to introduce you to the listeners out there. So we already know the answers because we've been good friends for a long time, but for everybody else who uh, may not know you as well as we do, uh, if you wouldn't mind. Question one is, uh, when did you start playing deck hockey? Well, let's see. Honestly, as far as deck hockey and street hockey and that stuff goes, I've been playing probably since before I can remember. So, you know, being a little kid, either playing in the basement or out on the street with my dad or kids from the neighborhood, that kind of stuff. But as far as organized deck hockey goes, that begins with the LIQ. So that was, I believe it was like a, a Labor Day thing where six of us got together at uh, Rob's house, another member of the LIQ, which Mike then dubbed to be Box Soul Energy Center or something along <laughs> those lines, which yes. I'm sure Mike will explain the reference to that at a, at a later date. I believe that it was because we played with cr milk crates as our goals. So uh, they were boxes. So that's why it was Box Soul Energy Center. 
I see. And then I guess that would be uh, the console energy center. I guess the ribbing robs something with ah. the penguins along mm. those lines. So that's where the organized week-in, bi-weekly LIQ games, that's where I started playing, I guess, organized deck hockey. And, you know, with you guys in tournaments, that's that kind of stuff. Gotcha. Because uh, you, you grew up playing roller and ice hockey too, correct? Yeah, I played a couple years of roller, but mainly ice hockey through high school. So, Brad, uh, let's back up a little bit. How did you get into sure. hockey in the first place? What What is your uh, hockey background? Not just uh, not just playing, see. but your introduction to hockey. Well, honestly, again, it's something that it goes back so far I can't remember it. It's My dad grew up a huge hockey fan. His parents are both big Rangers fans. My dad grew up watching the Rangers, got into the Broad Street Bullies in the 70s, was a big Flyers fan, <laughs> and then... Uh, then went back to the Rangers, so I got to experience. I was raised a Rangers fan until I was, you know, probably about ten or so. So I got to experience a '94 Cup, you know, when I was in kindergarten, which was nice, but I don't really remember it. Sure. Thanks for making us feel very old, but go ahead. <laughs> the day before <laughs> the Rangers won the Cup, Sorry, I was on my eighth grade trip at Rye Playland, so which is where the Rangers Sorry practice. Sorry about that, guys. No, no, that's fine. I was a sophomore in high school, but go ahead. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, hockey has been some. Hockey is in my blood. I, you know, I daydream about it. I've recently been worried about free agency and the draft and all that stuff. It occupies a, far too much of my time, far more than it should. But I assume you're talking about NHL free agency and not your own. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, NHL all right. free agency. Well, we'll. I guess we'll discuss that at a later date. Sure. It's, it's not not something I feel like talking about right now because it might be a little too depressing <laughs> for us Islander and Ranger fans. Fair enough. So, yeah, I guess that's basically my background with hockey is just that it's just inbred in me. So when uh, James touched on this a little before with your roller and ice experience, how how did you get into organized hockey, period? Not necessarily deck hockey, but just organized hockey. I believe when I was like six or seven, my dad signed me up for the intramural. So it was like teaching you how to skate and then you would play little scrimmages and then after that, you know, every year up through high school, I would play in these in leagues on Long Island. My high school team actually, my high school didn't actually have a hockey team. So I had to play out of one of the rinks, you know, just the intramural leagues where, where we would play against, you know, Nassau County teams. So it was, I have a feeling it was me begging my dad saying, I want to play hockey and them having to buy all the equipment. And sign me up for this stuff and pay all the money. So I I appreciate all that they did for me because I enjoyed it every minute of, of playing hockey. Did you start with ice? I rollerbladed in my basement, and then after after ruining the carpeting in the basement with the rollerblades, <laughs> it was time to move on to ice. So that's I think that's you know let let's get him some skates and put him on the ice because he's ready for that. So yeah, I I did roller hockey in the summers for a couple years and ice hockey every winter and every fall through, probably, you know, through high school. Probably best that you didn't try to ice skate in your basement. That, I mean, you know, the, I don't think the carpet could have stood up to that. <laughs> if I could have, I would have, Gary. Yeah, I bet. So any reason why you chose your primary position? Um, I like scoring goals. <laughs> and I figured being on offense would be the best way for me to do that. I, I could not tell. <laughs> Are you more comfortable as a winger or a center? Uh, I think some of the other guys will attest to this, too. I'm actually more comfortable on the wing simply because I am not great at face-offs. And I actually like the 
the positioning of a center because you get to play a little bit of defense when you're a center. And I do like blocking shots and all that kind of stuff and positioning. But as far as actually lining up, I guess I would be a winger because I lose just about every faceoff in the LIQ and I lost just about every faceoff growing up when they threw me at center. So You know what, though, Brad? Don't sell yourself short. You Even as a forward, you get back on D. You definitely back check. As someone who's had you on, on his team and seen you on the opposing team, you are a force to be reckoned with both on defense and offense. Thank you, Gary. Uh, it's something I, I try to do because I, I like blocking shots. I like helping out the goalie. I like, I like getting in the way of passes and all that stuff. You definitely have the right mentality of being a good teammate and a good hockey player. So that is good stuff. We could definitely attest to that. So who is your uh, NHL player that influenced you the most and or who is your favorite NHL player? Let's see. The one that I think influenced me the most growing up and then I still try to play like him. I'm sure you guys will remember him. Uh, He played for the Rangers for a few years. Pat Verbeek. Oh, yeah. yeah, Pat Verbeek, sure. I liked him because... He was only about five foot seven. He was a little ball of hate, and I was not <laughs> blessed with height. So I like to model my play around him. He scored goals. He fought. He hit people like a train. He did everything, and he was this, you know, by NHL standards, a tiny guy. So I, I respect the heck out of him, and he's, I've, got, I've got his Hartford Whalers jersey. I've worn a couple of times at LIQ games. So he's, he's definitely the guy I try to model my play after because he, he can do a little bit of everything. Nice. Very nice. So the final question in the face-off circle, obviously we know the answer to this and you already answered it, but uh, just officially, what is your favorite NHL team? Uh, I am a diehard New York Islanders fan, and I have suffered long with them. <laughs> have you gotten a chance to go to Brooklyn yet to uh, check out their new digs? I have. I have. I went, uh, cool. I went and saw a day game over there. Um, I wasn't too pleased with it probably didn't help that it was snowing that day and you know the walk from the train station all that stuff and just the train ride home and it was a holiday so half the people in the place were drunk so it wasn't really the best it was on president's day so it wasn't really wasn't really the best atmosphere (laughs) would i rather the coliseum of course i would but I'd, i'd rather the team be 25 miles away than being in another state or another country right exactly All right. Well, I hope that we get a chance to redeem ourselves. So on behalf of Brooklyn, I apologize. (laughs) Actually, Brad, before we move on, I want to ask you, as somebody who's well-versed in deck hockey, uh, roller hockey, and ice hockey, what do you find the the differences as a player are between roller and ice uh, and deck hockey, which is, well, the way we play it, at least a more informal atmosphere, but just in... in, uh, your instincts or, or any, really any facet? I think the biggest challenge transferring from ice to deck is stick handling and passing and you know, just simply moving up the court because when you're on ice, the puck slides. Right. And you can, with pretty good certainty, predict where a puck is going to go when you pass it when you're playing ice hockey. When you're on deck on, this, on asphalt... That puck or ball skips all over the place. True. So passing is sometimes not the best thing to do. But I will say that I like deck because you can get a lot more people out there to play Mm. than with roller or ice because weather conditions messes up with roller and just simply not everybody knows how to skate. Right. So, yeah, no, absolutely. With the kind of – with that in mind that it's harder – 
to predict where the puck is going to go. Does that give you more of a or less of a pass first mentality? Are you more likely to be a, a little bit of a selfish player just because you know that you can control the puck, whereas you're not sure if you'll be able to do it if you pass it to somebody else? Definitely. Definitely. Okay. One of the things I tell everybody is, if you know, especially if we're down, just keep shooting at the net. Keep shooting at the net because playmaking is not necessarily something that's going to work on deck. And you've always got a shot. You know, if you take a shot, you've always got a chance at putting that rebound in mm-hmm. when you're playing. So I think most of us have a shoot first mentality when you're playing deck. And it can for me, sometimes I, I feel guilty because it's like, you know, I've, I feel like I go 10, 15 minutes at a time without making a pass. <laughs> but I said it's just the nature of the game on a small court and, you know, only three guys to a side or four guys to a side at yeah. a time. Okay. I mean, I've, I've seen it. People who've played with you have uh, a, often a mentality. Since you are, even if you won't accept this, you are often the best player on the court. The game plan is very often get it to Brad. So, I mean, that's, I think, A, that is a good idea because if you are the best player, then you're probably going to have the best chance of scoring. But it also, and James, as a defender, maybe you can weigh in on this. For my observation, it seems like it might be a little easier to, not necessarily easier to defend, but easier to predict how the play is going to unfold because the tendency is going to be get it to Brad. So you can kind of say, okay, that's the guy we need to watch. And maybe we don't have to worry as much about the other guys. Well, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Uh, being on both sides of being Brad's teammate and playing against him, you do think that, but as Brad was saying, that there are plenty of good goal scorers in the LIQ. Oh, sure, I'm not taking that, that away from any yeah, of the yeah, other guys. Right, so whoever, let, let, let's say if, if I'm playing against Brad, you, right, you probably figure that the puck's going to come to him, but the problem with that is when you have guys like Iggy and, uh, and Carlos and, and, and Rob, Joe. among others... And uh, pardon me. And Joe. And Joe. Oh my God, that guy has amazing hands, Joe. And um, goodness gracious, uh, apologies if I. Oh, um, Rich. I don't. I don't want to. You know, we could keep yeah. talking about. We just. And Brett. Brett is another one. This but isn't anyway, the yeah. name everybody in the LIQ podcast. This is. Uh, they. They. You know. They. They do deserve to have their names called out. But anyway. Sure. So the problem with that is, if you think the puck's going to go to Brad, and you're on him the other two guys are, could burn you just as bad. So you have to be careful of that. Like Brad was saying, one of the benefits of his game and why he's so good is his end-to-end talent. And so you're trying to block the, the passing lanes and such. But, right, you do – a lot of times one particular play comes to mind where we were playing an overtime game, and Brad got the puck. I believe you won the faceoff too, if I'm not mistaken, Brad. Yeah, one of the and, few faceoffs I've won. And and I think I think the overtime lasted all but three seconds, as <laughs> as you uh, march. I mean, you left me in the dust. I, I think my head was spinning. I don't know what happened, but the next thing I know, the game was over. So you have that quality to to dominate a game, but you, 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 that's a good thing to be shoot first mentality, especially that that's what you want out of a player. I mean, Alex Ovechkin can attest to that for the NHLers out there, but. You do have the sense enough that if you if you don't have a shot, that you'll pass it, and you always have to make sure that your stick is down when Brad's on your team because you got to be ready for it. So if you have a lane, you take it, and you have a good enough shot that you have confidence that it may go in or at least get the rebound for another player. So that's definitely the way to 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 be a good forward in deck hockey or any kind of hockey. Yeah, although I will say 
if the goaltender has had the good fortune of preventing Brad from scoring for the majority of the game, Brad transforms into angry Brad. And <laughs> angry Brad is, I kid you not, a force of nature. You do not want to see angry Brad. Angry Brad can take over and single-handedly change a game. I've seen it happen more than once. Same here. Been victimized by that truck as well. So have the, uh, the marks to prove it from being run over. Yeah, it's um, Mike has called that, I think, fourth or fifth gear or something. He says, you know, <laughs> yeah, he'll just tap me on the stick and be like, Brad, fifth gear time. I'm like, all right, I think <laughs> I've got the energy for it. <laughs> all right. Well, you know what? We've been talking about offensive skill and, and the way you kind of set up uh, plays and your mentality. Why don't we actually break down some plays so, sure. uh, you know, we can put our money where our mouth is and be a little more specific about how these things go. So we have for you, the listener, a buffet, a, um, I'm just swinging my arm around trying to think of a word. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't want to say plethora. I want to use some kind of food metaphor. I don't know why it's just, uh, uh, but we have, uh, a, a bountiful feast of plays for you to consume. And, uh, if, again, if you're watching this on YouTube or if you'd like to see what we're talking about and you're not listening on YouTube, then Please head over there. We're on Hit the Deck. Uh, we're going to lay out a bunch of plays that we filmed in preparation for this podcast this past weekend. And I just want to put it out there, let you know what we did here. So these plays weren't choreographed. They weren't staged per se. We knew what situations we wanted to set up. But once we set them up, they unfolded organically. So for the most part, you are going to see the actual... Um, a play developing the way it would develop in a game situation. So we're not cheating per se. We, we didn't film an actual game because we want to make sure we got everything we needed for this podcast, but the intensity of a game was there. So it, it's, you know, that that's what you're getting. Full disclosure. I'd also like to take this opportunity to thank Joe Barnett and Rob McCullough who helped us out on a few of these plays. So thank you guys. Your assistance was invaluable, and uh, we hope to have you guys on the podcast someday. All right, so the first set of plays that we're going to review are a series of breakaways. So Brad is going to be the offensive player on the breakaway. James is defending him, and I'm in goal. So what we're going to basically do here is we have the plays. We're going to tell you what's happening for the benefit of those who can't actually see it. And we're going to tell you what's going through our heads from an offensive, defensive, and goaltending perspective as those plays unfold. So hopefully you will find some value in this. All right, so here's the first play. And what's happening is Brad is basically coming in from off camera. James is trailing him. He's behind him trying to catch up. Brad rips off a shot, and he blows it past me in goal. So Brad... How are you setting this play up? What What's uh, on your mind here? All right, so when you're coming in on a breakaway, you basically have two or three things to worry about. Number one is, and the most important, is keeping, you know, keeping control of the puck. Number two is, where is the guy coming from behind you? So I can hear James coming behind me, but and you take a little peek and you kind of see where they are. So I saw James was far enough behind that I had room if I wanted to, to make a deke. You as the goalie were too far out for me to do that, so the percentage of me pulling off a deke there is um, not great. So 
when you come in when as a forward as I come in there, you basically take a peek at the goalie while taking one quick last look at the puck to make sure it's still on your stick and you just look for a hole. So I happen to see that on your blocker side there was a little room up top and that's just where I put it. Okay, yeah, that that tracks and so James, what are you thinking here as you're trailing him? I know there's not a lot you can do, but what's going through your mind in that situation? Exactly. When when you're burned like that, the only thing you can do is try, like Brad was saying, because obviously in deck hockey you can hear footsteps coming. So you try and at least keep him to one side of the net. So in order to keep your goalie, uh, have one lane to look at as opposed to if you're flying, flying all over the place that uh, he could go anywhere he wants. So at minimum, you're trying to take as much ice away from him as possible and focus on one area where it would give the goalie the best chance to try and stop him. Okay. From my perspective, I see him bearing down on me. I know I'm not giving him a lot of room and he's coming in very quickly. So my tendency is to try and outweigh people. But once he's reasonably close to me i'm dropping down because i want to take away that bottom half of the net because if he wants to snap off a shot he's going to need to elevate it which he did he got it over my shoulder and he he, uh, nailed it top corner but that's what i'm trying to do there so thank you for that the next play is similar it is going to be uh it's also a breakaway james is not not quite neck and neck with Brad, but he's closer, but he's not right next to him. So Brad comes out to his left side and tries a little spinorama type play to get it past me. And he misses the net in this case. But Brad, what are you thinking there? On this one, what happened to me there is the puck just got away from me. It skipped, skipped on the asphalt. So you just have to make the best of what you can do, which in this case, was just try to make any recovery possible. And doing the little spin move was number was out of necessity, but also I know that with that play, that kind of screens you, and I'm trying to put it on a backhand, so backhands are statistically tougher to stop. Mm. So you just kind of you kind of go on instinct and just try to do the best possible thing. And I knew James was cutting across, so there's always that chance of it skipping in off his knee or off his shoe or something like that. So just get you just got to get it towards the goal at that point. Yeah, those unintentional deflections off your own teammate, those are kind of back-breaking goals, but there's nothing you can do about it because, you know, it's just a fluke that when that happens and you just have to kind of deal with it. Yeah, it's a defenseman's worst nightmare. Yeah, so what are you trying to do? So, James, in this play, Brad's kind of coming down the left side. It looks like you swing wide around the right side of the net and kind of cut towards him. What's the motivation there? Again, just trying to contain him to one area to try and make him force a shot right in front of you, not expecting the spinorama. That's why, as Brad was saying, he kind of did it out of desperation or creativity because trying to cut across that way, taking away the other side of the net for him to shoot at, obviously was a breakaway, so he didn't have any teammates to pass to. So that's why I was on that side like that. Okay, yeah, and I'm just kind of waiting him out because I'm not sure what he's going to do with the puck. So I'm just trying to react because I know Brad has so many tools at his disposal and he's incredibly accurate. So I'm just trying to figure out where he's going to go with the puck before I commit because I know if I open up a hole prematurely, it's going to be in the back of the net before I can turn my head. So Exactly. 
Great. And here's another kind of breakaway play. So on this one, Brad's coming in. James is right behind him. I'm playing up and Brad just kind of comes in on me. It looks like he's trying to stick handle around me a little bit. And I'm able to reach out and poke the puck away from him. So, Brad, what were you trying to do here? This is what I was saying before is, you know, I come in, I'm trying to go for a deke there, but you were too far out and trying for a deke was probably not the best idea because at that point to make a good deke, you have to kind of take your eye off the play. And the second I took my eye off it, you poked it away. Yeah, the poke check is one, as I've mentioned before on the podcast, the poke check is definitely one of the the big clubs in my bag. I am definitely more inclined to poke it than to try and cover it because that's just, I don't know, that's the way I think. I want to get it away from me and I don't necessarily trust my uh, my glove hand down low. So I do like to try and knock it off people's stick. And sometimes I get burned on that, but uh, I, I have a decent track record. James, what are you trying to do here? It looks like you're trying to, to, from my perspective, it looks like you're trying to kind of reach out and either knock the puck off Brad's stick or lift his stick or something. Yeah, for this particular play, we didn't stage this per se, but Brad just suggested, for example's sake, to try and, and bat had his stick, either try and lift his stick or, or uh, chop at it legally. No illegal moves there. No, of course So not. that's just an example why he was boxed in. And if you're a defenseman, obviously you can't hit the other guy in deck hockey. So you have to try and use your stick in a legal way by either lifting the forward stick or trying to bat the puck off of his blade. So that's what what, uh, what I was trying to do there. All right, great. So it looks like we have a couple more breakaways that we want to talk about, that I want to talk about. Brad is, again, coming in on the breakaway. James is tr- trailing him close, trying to kind of get at his stick. He's not successful. It looks like Brad does a little bit of a, not not a, toe drag per se but there's definitely kind of a a hesitation i don't know if you lost a handle on the puck or what but he he stays back with the puck for a second and he's able to line up a shot that gets me five hole what's your thinking there brad again it's taken that i took a quick peek to see where you were and i saw the five hole was open at the last second there though the puck kind of skipped off to my side a little bit which forced me to kind of go wider with my shot Hmm. Not intentional. It's just something that happens when you play doc, uh, deck hockey. You just kind of have to, to kind of go with the flow with where the puck wants to go and wants to bounce to. But I knew the five hole was open. So once once I corralled the puck enough to get a shot off, I just fired it at the five hole and it, it beat you there. Is that something you commit to? Kind of like I know a lot of times this is a weird analogy, but in baseball, say, a batter is looking for a specific pitch and he's going to swing at that that ball, whether it's in the strike zone or not. Is that you see the five hole open and you know you're going to go five hole no matter what, even though it, it does skip away from you, you're still going to try that because that's the last thing you saw open? Yeah, certainly. That's, that, that's the way I go at it. And I, I don't know if that's that's the way most people go at it. It's, you know, on, on a breakaway you have to make the split, you know, split second decision of sure. deke or shoot. Once you make that decision, it's just where am I going to shoot it? Sure, so especially with your, uh, James yeah. bearing down on you there. Exactly. 
So you just pick your spot, and you got to stick with it because if you change your mind, you're going to lose control of the puck or you're going to run out of time. And I'm just going to bear down on you, and you're going to poke chuck it away like the last one. And uh, I have no defense for not stopping this other than Brad is a very accurate shooter. <laughs> I I don't know. If this was a game, I, I might have been upset with myself. But uh, it was a very good shot and a very good recovery on a little bit of a bad situation. So, you know, kudos to you for being able to do that. Last breakaway. This one, th- this one was a little tricky. Tried a little trick play. So Brad's coming in from the, like, the, from the blue line. And James is not trailing him. I don't know if you laid out on this or just uh, I guess what this is simulating is a true breakaway where there's no defender anywhere near you. And it's yes. uh, just, you know, the the player and the goalie, maybe more of like a penalty shot kind of situation. So yes. Brad comes in slow or well, he, he slows down a little bit anyway as he approaches me and he almost comes to a stop. I come down, try and poke, and Brad's able to reach around me with one hand and try and flick it into the net, which it goes just wide, but it could just as easily have slipped in the post. So what what are you trying to do here, Brad? All right, so this is, I guess this is simulating a penalty shot or a shootout attempt, and this is my my go-to shootout move. So if, you know, if, if any of you out there are listening, watching, and you're a goaltender is going to end up facing me, you now know my move if you end up playing <laughs> against me in the tournament. No scouting. But, no, no. He's, he's, yeah. he's just, you're opposite of what he's saying. But go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> so this is, um, this is just the old uh, Peter Forsberg move. You come in quick, and then you slow it down at the last instant there. And you, I was deking blocker side on Gary, and then... I pull it across, across, I guess, where the crease would be. And then you just, rather than flicking it, you just kind of let the momentum of the puck try to get itself in once you pull it around the goalie. And Gary said the shot went wide, but I remember this one really well. He actually does get a toe on it, and he does stop me. Redirects it right there at the end, and he gets a little bit of a shoe, and he, he actually pushes it wide. You know what? Now, so Gary, looking, very nice. Looking at the play again, well, thank you. I, I do see it does deflect off the toe. I wasn't actually looking at me when I was reviewing it at first, but you're right. Yeah, no, that and, and that's a that's just luck on my part that I was able to kick out the my foot enough to well i didn't even kick out i just kind of planted it and where you were uh bringing it around happened to be a spot where i could move my foot very slightly and get a toe on it but really that's a play where as a goalie you have to commit and once you have committed you have to kind of just i don't know give it up to god yeah basically it's down to the you've put yourself in a situation where it makes it very difficult for the shooter to execute um, they have to execute perfectly, and if they don't, then it's probably not going to go in. But if they do, then there's nothing you can do about it, and you just have to tip your mask to them. All right, great. Thank you. So anything else you want to add about breakaways before we move on in our uh, our playbook there, Brad? Um, the only thing I'll, I'll say about breakaways, and it's just something I've, I've said a couple times already to anybody out there looking to improve their efficiency on breakaways, is make sure you pick shoot or deke before you're too close to the goalie. So think about where the hash marks might be on ice. Think about that distance on the court. And by the time you get there, you should have picked shoot or deke by that point. All right. Great. Good advice. So now we're going to move on to some two-on-one situations. 
which I think is a little difficult for James because he's the one. And uh, again, thank you to Joe Barnett for helping out and being the other player here, who Joe is another one of our incredibly skilled players in the IQ. As James said before, he has great hands. He has great instincts. And he's just he's a bulldog on the play. He doesn't give up. He wants to win. He's a he's a real gamer and a really talented player. So we're glad to have him and we're lucky to have him play with us. So uh, thank you again, Joe, for for, uh, helping us out here. But so basically what it looks to me is happening here is Brad and Joe are coming in on either side of the ice and James is kind of trying to defend in the, the slot area, but he's moving around as best he can. And Joe passes it to Brad and James is kind of clogging up the the slot and he's eventually able to get the puck cleared. So um, why don't you guys take it from here? First of all, I'll say that this is something James does very well is he's excellent on these odd man rushes on defense and it's very difficult to get past him because he's always keeping the stick on on the uh, on the court trying to block up the passing lane and it's just about impossible to get through the middle there so you have to kind of think of another play so a lot of times you just work on on desperation and you know go shot first after you get it if if James is out there what are you thinking in that situation in terms of uh, coordinating with the other player on, in the on the odd man situation? You're just thinking. Is it you know? Is it get open? Is it go to a, a place on the ice or on the court where they can hopefully put it to get it past the goal? What's your first inclination in that kind of situation? I think in this situation, it's just how far ahead the player without the puck is in regards to where the goal is. So if you have the distance to make the pass across and set up a one-timer, that's your first option there. Otherwise, then you have to kind of go to backup plans, either stop the play completely and then try to set up for something different or take a shot. How do you defend that, James? Well, exactly. What Brad was saying is when you're by yourself, that's your first instinct is to try and at least take away the pass. So again, your focus is to whoever has the puck, if he's going to pass it, you try and pick it off or at least block the lane for a deflection or something like that. Or if he's going to take the shot, then you try and force him to one side of the ice and the goalie has a clear point of view to see where he's going to go. Is there anything you do, any any one thing that you think is the most important or the most effective way to defend this kind of situation? Because as Braz said, you're very good at this. So what do you do? What do you make a point to do? To clog up the lane. What's uh, what works in that situation? Well, yeah, Brad said it best. It, you always it, it's rule one in, in hockey. No matter if it's ice or roller or deck, is you keep your stick on the ice or, as uh, Brad said, the court properly. And for that reason, is that you never know. You can you keep one hand on your stick and uh, you could poke it out as far as possible, or even go down to one knee and tr- try and put the stick flat on the surface. And uh, at, at minimum, forcing the offensive player to pass the puck over your stick or something like that, where he has to get a little bit creative or just he'll force him to keep the puck and take the shot. So exactly. Uh, one of the reasons why a defenseman's hockey stick is so important is for that reason, for uh, even if you're burned or something like that, you have that extra few feet with the stick to at least try and, and, and 
deflect the, a pass or something. Do you one-hand the stick a lot when you're playing uh, this kind of tight defense, or is it just something that's more specific to this situation? Uh, in, in, a, in a two-on-one situation, I think I probably do use one hand more than anything else uh, for the sole intention to at least stop the, the pass. But obviously you need to have your your uh, your other hand available if you do gain control of the puck that either you're going to be able to clear it or hopefully pass it to one of your guys and, and get an offensive chance for your team. So for the majority of the reason, to make yourself as long, because I'm, I'm not tall or, or big or anything like that either, so I need to rely on my stick to gain as much ground and, and cover as much territory as possible. So uh, you do have a habit of uh, just putting the one hand at the butt end of the stick and flailing away like a maniac and hopefully stopping the play. Well, maybe you do, uh, and, and maybe defensemen generally do. I don't skate a lot since I'm usually in goal and I guess I'm you my default position is one handing the stick but um when I am in a, a skating scenario when I'm not in goal I don't think that would ever occur to me to take my hand off the stick to play defense um so that that's something that I find intriguing and uh I find that very interesting yeah I think basically I mean, I didn't invent that or anything like that. No, no, I, I was probably I, yeah, yeah. But it, it I was probably looks like it's something very that comes very naturally to you, and it's very effective. So, it, it was probably something, yeah, that was taught, or exactly, it, it's 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 logical to borrow from Mr. Spock. It's just that, that that's what you do as a defenseman. So, exactly, if if you're if you're used to the position, you kind of learn the basics like that. So, okay. to me, anyway, I think that's one of the the basics of playing defense. All right, well, then let's move on to another two-on-one situation. Now, in this one, this it, it's kind of, it's the same setup. Joe is coming down the, the right side, and Brad is on the left, and James is trying to get in between them, although he is they're, – they're more spread apart, so it looks like he's, he's not playing in the slot. Uh, and, and they're also down in, in close to me. So he's not playing just take away the pass. He's trying to play the man. He's trying to play both men one after the other, depending on where the puck is. He's in a way following the puck, which I imagine is not ideal as a defenseman. You want to you wanna kind of prevent the, the play from being made instead of chasing the play. But because of the way the situation unfolded, Joe and Brad are able to take a number of shots, and I'm blocking most of them, but I'm giving up a lot of rebounds, so they are eventually able to score. And, you know, nothing, not taking anything away from James. It's just the way the situation, you know, unfolded. But what, what's going on here from uh, your perspective, you guys? Why is this, Brad, why is this play so much more effective than the previous play we saw where... James was able to clog up the slot and and just clear it. It looks like you guys have a clear advantage here. What's different? Uh, I think coming in, I think coming in wide is definitely a um, is definitely the advantage here. But also the fact that we're able to get off a number of shots. So this probably wouldn't happen so much in regular gameplay unless you're talking about a, a penalty kill power play situation, right? Where you would have that kind of time in an odd man advantage or if you have someone who doesn't really like to uh back check on the on the defensive side yeah i've been but... I, i've been on the receiving end of this kind of play a few times usually it's it's the end of a, a game where we've played for a long time maybe it's hot 
People are tired. The score maybe is not favorable. They don't want to get back on defense. Or if we're down by like a goal or two goals, they want to press the offense. So they want to stay up and not back check. So when the puck inevitably gets to them, they'll have an advantage. But yeah, I I would agree that it's not something that happens often, but it does happen occasionally. James, why are you playing this situation like you are? Uh, Again, like I said, James is kind of playing the man, which uh, if you can't see it, he's Joe and Brad are pretty far apart from each other on either side. And it looks like James is kind of chasing one after the other. Like I said, he's chasing after the puck and coming in close instead of backing up and trying something else. So why did you play this in in that way, James? Uh, in all honesty, just to show what it is the worst case scenario. And this is what happens when you don't lay out or keep your stick on the surface and try and clog the passing lanes. A huge advantage, which is what they did very smartly, was staying wide. Whereas if, as a defenseman and you're all by yourself, what are you going to do? So the problems with deck hockey defense is that you're not allowed to hit anybody. So <laughs> you have to play it like NBA or like basketball defense where you're, you're playing the man or you're playing the puck. So I can't go to one or the other. And that's why it's important to utilize your stick and try and, and plug the passing lanes. So when you get in a situation like that, that's either you just lay out your, your body or you just you use your stick in, in that aspect. So this was just to, to get a little different point of view as to what not to do on defense and also to the credit of how good the shooters are in the LIQ. So the rebounds and stuff, that was all creativity and uh, skill on, on the offensive guy's part. I call shenanigans, James. You said this is NBA defense. I did not once see you just stand there and wait for somebody to knock you over. Again, you're not allowed to hit, so I, so I apologize. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, and uh, just, I mean, from a goalie perspective, I'm once the first uh, couple of shots hit me, I, if I'm not able to glove it, I, I can't control those rebounds, so I'm kind of just floundering and, and hoping to, to scramble and hope for the best. So I, I go down, I think, after the first, it looks like after the first pass, and then once I'm down, I'm not inclined to jump up because there's still a threat and I don't want to expose the bottom of the net for that split second while I'm standing back up. So I'm going to just kind of try and follow the play as best I can and hope for the best. And like Brad was saying too, that's the importance of back checking because if your defenseman's hung out to dry and then he in turn leaves your goalie to be hung out to dry. That's why you need the, the other guys to try and at least take another man or uh, pin one offensive man to one side of the, the ice or, or surface so the goalie can just focus on that one particular area. And uh, it's also important yeah, to, sorry, um, uh, as far as uh, the offensive side, is to stay with the play. So you easily could have just tailed off there at the end. I could have easily tailed off after we got our first shot off expecting Gary to cover, but staying with it and waiting for the rebound is important when you're playing offense. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I even noticed that I stopped at the very last moment because you got your own rebound and then put that in. So I didn't even bother to deflect or, or get in the, that way. So exactly, that's uh, to Brad's credit that he just never gave up on the play. 
All right, great. So we're about halfway through our whiteboard plays, and I think that's good for one podcast. So, Brad, if you don't mind, uh, we'll invite you to come back next week. And can you please, if you don't mind, come back and maybe analyze some more of these plays with us? Sounds good to me. All right. So... Given that, why don't we move on to the rest of the podcast? And like we said, we will pick up next week with more of the whiteboard. But since we have Brad here, happy birthday, America. It is uh, the 4th of July, Independence Day, as we know, this weekend. Well, technically Monday, but it's a holiday weekend. So here in America, we, we tend to spread those out unless you are one of the unlucky few who actually has to work on those days. And if you are uh, somebody who has to work on our holidays to help us for when we forget to get something at the store or need to get ice at the last minute and you are serving us in some way. Thank you. Your, your extra special little bit of sacrifice is uh, it's appreciated, even though it really blows for you. So yeah, <laughs> happy, uh, happy 4th of July. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, James, what were we talking about? <laughs> well, with America's 240th birthday. I'll see up, myself the, out. The USA's 240th birthday, I should say. We all being big hockey fans and Brad being a huge Islander fan and Gary and I Ranger fans figured we can talk about the best or at least our favorite American-born NHLers. So it's kind of a short list compared to the Canadian roster, which is just ridiculous. But the uh-huh. Americans, uh, we have a lot to be proud of. And, and I think a certain goalie is a little near and dear to your heart, Mr. Rhino Mac. So if you wouldn't mind kicking things off with the other number 35. Yes. Well, as you said, I, I am a Ranger fan who wears number 35. So uh, obviously, Mr. Mike Richter. Uh, former goalie for the New York Rangers. Uh, he is, in fact, very near and dear to me. He's my favorite player. And uh, as I've said in the past, somebody who I, I model somewhat uh, myself after. So, yeah, he is one of the greatest goalies, American goalies ever to play. Um, he's in the American Hockey Hall of Fame, I believe. And he brought home the gold for us in the the world championships in uh was it 96 that that all right so you know god bless you mike richter thanks he he is a real american true blue he had the statue of liberty on his mask you know he was uh he, he's he's a real american hockey player and uh so i have a glass in my hand and i am toasting him with it very well done. So, Brad, anybody in particular that uh, that you admire from the uh, USA side of the NHL? Somebody that I looked up to a lot, you know, growing up as a kid in the '90s, was uh, Jeremy Roenick. He was uh, he was one of those guys that could do everything, and he was a heck of a scorer for the Blackhawks, and then later on in his career with the Coyotes and the Flyers, and I think he ended his career in San Jose. He was just a just had one heck of a shot. I mean, him and and Brett Hull were probably the two best shooters of the 90s and, you know, early 2000s. But what's great about Roenick is that he had a feistiness to his game. He wasn't afraid to fight. He had his jaw broken in the playoffs and kept going through that, and they kind of, like, wired his jaw shut. I mean, that's just the dedication that you want out of a hockey player. So I just... I respect the heck out of that guy. And he's a pretty good analyst, too. 
That's true. That that's very well well said. Yeah, he's uh, done pretty well for himself post NHL career. But uh, believe he is. I know he's a 500 goal scorer, and I think he's about fourth among the or, or third, I think, among the American-born players all time. So that's pretty cool. And when you're in in company of guys like Mike Madano, Keith Kachuk, Pat Lafontaine, that's uh, you've had uh, yourself quite a great career. So good one with that, uh, Brad. Uh, James, for me, I mean, obviously, yeah, I was going to ask you know, as a as a defenseman or or even just uh, you know American yeah. hockey fan, is there any particular player that's near and dear to your heart? Take a wild guess, <laughs> Mister <laughs> Mister Brian Leach. Um, mm-hmm. I believe he was the first American-born Conn Smythe winner, Calder Trophy winner for Rookie of the Year, Norris Trophy winner for the top defenseman in the league. Obviously, the Stanley Cup champion, and uh, he and his teammate Mike Richter uh, in 94, and also in the 96 World Cup, as we mentioned before, mm-hmm. and in the Olympics as well. As uh, Okay, fine, maybe they didn't win gold, but to come second to Team Canada is nothing to be ashamed of at all. And uh, it was a very well-deserved silver medal and, and, and so on and so forth. So uh, just a great guy. Um, Born in Texas, I believe, went to uh, Boston University, and a good dude all around. So Brian Leach is is the guy for me. Yeah, I mean, and and there are, of course, other modern players, you know, contemporary players, American players, who do the game proud. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially for a friend of the the LIQ, Mike Margiata. Former guest on Hit the Deck. That's right. That's right. That's right. So uh, his, his idol... Jonathan Quick over there in L.A. for the Kings. And uh, in Chicago, as we mentioned before, the Blackhawks, Mr. Patrick Kane, who's probably at the end of his career will uh, eclipse Mike Madano as the highest American-born goal scorer ever. But, yeah, Mike Madano is number one right now with 561 goals. And another great defenseman, American-born, was Chris Chelios, uh, three-time Norris Trophy winner there. So you could thank... Um, the NHL of the 70s, and you can also thank the 1980 U.S. Olympic team for the American-born players really coming through the ranks and and being up there with at least being toe-to-toe with the Canadian and, and other hockey players of other nationalities, Pat LaFontaine being one, Tony Amante another. So it's a pretty impressive list of American-born players, and hopefully there will be more and, and more to come down the line. Yeah. All right. Well, I I certainly hope so. The game seems to be, well, I I don't know if I'd say it's it's growing in popularity by leaps and bounds, but I think the players that this country produces are definitely becoming more frequently uh, successful and skilled. And uh, I, I think we're in good shape as a country of hockey players. So... You know what? I encourage anybody who loves the game of hockey to play the game of hockey. That's what deck hockey is all about. The being accessible as a hockey game to the average person. You know, if you're not necessarily the most athletic or you're not necessarily the most coordinated, but you still really enjoy the game and want to give it a shot, find yourself a deck hockey team. You know what? you could surprise yourself you could find out you love it and you could grow those skills and become more talented and and even if you never make it to the nhl or or even an amateur team you can still have a whole heck of a lot of fun 
which uh what's more american than the freedom to have fun well said yeah my uh <laughs> my my patriotism is showing a little bit but you know yeah, what? Well, you are the American rhino. I am the American rhino. So uh, I do wrap myself in the flag. Uh, it's uh, around my horn and my uh, you know, what have you. Um, anyway, <laughs> I've lost the thread again, James. Not at all. Brad, you want to save us or what? <laughs> I'll just to reiterate what Gary said, just um, hockey's a great game. It means a lot to me. I know it means a lot to both of you guys and mm-hmm. to all the people we play with. So just... Being able to get out there and play just it makes my week knowing that I'll be able to play hockey at the end of the week. Yeah. So for everybody out there who loves the game, just get out there and play it for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Amen. Anything you want to add before we end, Brad? Thank you again for being a guest on Hit the Deck and and for uh, coming out and offering so much of your wisdom and your experience for us. And thank you again for offering to come back next week and and do the same. No problem. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Likewise, and I hope we can do it again sometime. Certainly. Last minute remaining in the podcast. Okay, so we would, of course, like to thank once again Brad Vonsky. Thank you for coming out and being a part of the podcast. We want to thank Pops for being the voice of the podcast, Anthony Sajazi for music used in the podcast, the LIQ for sound effects used in the podcast. We want to thank you, the listener, for sitting through this podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you found it informative, and we hope you'll come back next week for more of the same. Please, please listen to us. Subscribe on iTunes, on Stitcher. Uh, come visit our website at hitthedeck.com. On Twitter, we are Hit the Deck Pod. Facebook and Instagram, we are at Hit the Deck. And as we mentioned, we are newly available on YouTube on the Hit the Deck channel. Uh, James, am I forgetting anything? No, you nailed it all. But before we uh, sign off, I just want to wish everybody a very happy 4th of July out there. Have a safe one. Keep all your toes and fingers and uh, leave the pyrotechnics to the pros. So yeah. happy birthday, America. And be safe, please. And I did forget to mention that you can contact us at hitthedeck at gmail.com. We would absolutely love to hear from you if there's something you want to hear more of on the podcast, if there's something you want to hear less of on the podcast, if, if you just want to reach out and say, hey, guys, uh, I enjoy what you're doing and, you know, anything. We'd love to hear from you as our listener. If Maybe if you feel like you want to be a guest on Hit the Deck, there's something you can contribute. We'll give you a shot. You know, give us a good reason. And maybe you can appear on this very podcast just like Mr. Vonsky. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, like James said, happy, happy, happy Independence Day, one and all. And if you do happen to get the chance to go out there this weekend and play hockey, just try and bear in mind while you're out there having fun, it's deck hockey. Don't be that guy. Thanks, everybody. Okay, so then uh, that's that, and we'll go back to our banter.